1: or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
2: And now, move the sticks with Appalachian State quarterback, Daniel Jeremiah.
0: Ahead, Jeremiah in. That's a
2: touchdown. How sweet it is.
0: And the North Carolina wide
2: receiver, Bucky Brooks. He's going to go long. It's the Mountaineer and the Tar Heel. Let's get it on. <laughs>
0: oh, yes. I-, I love that intro. And, Buck, you know what fires me up so much about that intro is the fact <laughs> that I got to hear your uh, your fight song because I don't imagine we're going to hear it uh, on Saturday. So it's nice oh, to man. hear that today.
3: I know, like man, I, I like that's, that brought me back, broke me all the way back, 89 to 94. Oh. Man, way to take me back.
0: Oh. Hey, Buck, do you know this? By the way, we are gonna we have a lot to get to on the podcast today. We're going to talk about the big NFL game between the Chiefs and the Ravens, so we got some NFL uh, news coming your way. We're going to talk a little bit about that Notre Dame-Georgia game, uh, but the bulk of today is going to be talking about our first-ever meeting here uh, with uh, Bucky Brooks Tar Heels hosting uh, my App State Mountaineers. So uh, we're going to have interviews with Mack Brown, Bucky's coach, and, and, and back at North Carolina doing a wonderful job, and Eli Drinkwitz, the, the head coach at App State. Uh, they're going to join the show. We're going to have a lot of fun. On this episode, but Buck, I, I didn't know if you saw this, but the uh, the tickets, the tickets for uh, the App State UNC game, you know that it, behind Notre Dame and Georgia, it is the second most expensive college ticket this weekend. This is a big deal, man.
3: It is a big deal. It's a big deal because obviously, as you know, um, in state game, Appalachian State has been the most successful team in the state of North Carolina in recent history. And it's an opportunity for a lot of Appalachian State kids to maybe play against a university that may they may have seen, uh, felt like dissed them, didn't recruit them, didn't come after them, maybe didn't feel like they were good enough. And so, look, man, it's the ultimate get-back game when you have an opportunity to kind of rub someone's nose in it. So this is going to be a fired-up game. It's going to be an exciting game. I'm really excited to watch it because um, Carolina has done some good things to start the season. I didn't expect them to be two and one sitting at this point, but they're two and one. The fact that Appalachian State has been winning and successful, this should be a very, very good matchup, a very compelling watch.
0: I'm trying to remember now, because I, because I'm a I'm a Indiana uh, University basketball fan. I have been my whole life, and obviously you've been a Carolina. Not only went to Carolina and played there, but you've been a Carolina basketball fan. I think that Carol didn't Carolina. They knocked IU out of the tournament a couple years ago. If I'm if I'm remember, couple of years what ago, yeah, 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 Maybe on the way. Yeah, did we win? might have been the won year won the title? You, or we lost. I think year. that was the yeah, year I you won remember. the national championship. Yeah, yes. I, th- I think so. So, and, and that was maybe the undercard here for the Jeremiah Brooks matchup. But uh, I, I need to know the etiquette uh, with you on big games because I can go either way. We can go, we can go radio silent, uh, no text messages, <laughs> no phone calls <laughs> until the game's over. Or we, can, or we can have a healthy back and forth. I, I, I'm fine with either way. I just I want to make sure that we're doing this the right way.
3: We can go back and forth. I guess it depends on what time is the game. I need to figure out what time the game is. It's 1230. 1230 so it's- West Coast. Okay, twelve 30 Let's go. So I will be on radio from like one to five. I'll be on FS, Fox Sports Radio from. Oh, 1 wow. to 5. Oh wow, you're gonna so have to do probably... a side eye. You're gonna have
0: to have a side eye on the game.
3: Oh no, don't do it. trust me. We'll have the TV up. We have the TV up. I have my phone out, so I'll be able to watch it. So I think we can kind of text during the game because you probably well, be able to up. keep hold me up. updated. Hold why, up. Why
0: am I not coming on the show? What? Hold up.
3: Oh, where's well, my invitation? I mean, like, you're win, always, win or lose, you're always so busy. I'm on. You're I'm always. You, you call me. Always so busy. So I'll, I'll no, make no, no. sure that. I will talk to the guys and make sure we get DJ on FSR. Okay,
0: yeah, Fox Sports Radio. You'll f- we'll we'll have that discussion. I'll either be in a really good mood or a really bad mood, but I'll, I'll <laughs> be be fun. <laughs> that'd be good. You know. Uh, well, I, we're gonna have, have fun. To t- I have to oh. tell you, my, my, my radio partner
3: is a South Carolina fan, and so you know, like oh, we get them. Maybe later. It's a, maybe it's a lucky charm. It might be a lucky charm to get you on radio. You already
0: beat him. <laughs> you already beat you already you already beat South Carolina, uh, and now it's App State UNC, and then App State gets uh, South Carolina later on in the season. So this is like a really kind of a triangle uh, battle here. Uh, what do you call that? The triple threat match or whatever they used yeah. to call that in the WWF back yeah. in the day? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Something like that. That is so funny. Uh, all right, we're going to have fun with these interviews. we have a fun episode today. But I do want to uh, get to some NFL stuff before we have uh, uh, these college coaches join us. A uh, couple injury things here, or interesting things, I should say. David Njoku, he broke his wrist in that game. Uh, he's going to be out for a while from the Browns and uh, the Cowboys decided they were good on Taco Charlton, decided to move on from their first-round pick from 2017. Uh, which one of those things is the bigger news? I don't think it's Taco Charlton. He had not been much of a factor for that team. But David and joku that's, that's going to have an impact on the Browns, don't you think? That
3: is going to have an impact on the Browns. Um, interesting conversation that I had in, in thinking about the Browns and what's going on with Baker Mayfield. Um, had a chance to talk to a couple of former Browns coaches uh, the last couple of days, and they were saying that when you notice the Browns playing this year, they're playing... Uh, drastically different than they played a year ago. At the end of the year, when Freddie Kitchens took over as offense coordinator, they were a little more run-heavy, 12 and 13 personnel, meaning one back, two tight ends, or one back, uh, three tight ends. David Njoku was a big part of what they did. If you notice on Monday night when you saw them, they were a lot of 11 personnel, one back, one tight end, three wide receivers spreading the field, really trying to force-feed the ball to Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Henry. And so it said it kind of changed the way they were able to create favorable matchups. The other thing that they believe is a little different. uh, The thing about Baker Mayfield is when you make the change that they made in the offseason, they uh, elevated his offensive coordinate. The guy who was kind of like maybe I won't say his best friend, but I'll say like his closest friend on the coaching staff when it came to having the conversation and the communication Well, they made him the head coach. In essence, when you do that, You basically empower Baker Mayfield and you kind of make him the franchise guy. He was already the franchise guy, but you really have kind of given the keys to the franchise to Baker Mayfield. And there's a little bit of a concern that maybe in the building, there's no one there that can coach Baker Mayfield up hard. When you look at him on tape, um, I, I see a guy who's very similar to the way that he played at Oklahoma his junior year when he was a little chaotic with his footwork, a little off the mark. And maybe some of the passes and some of the turnovers that are coming because he's not real detailed with his footwork and fundamentals. And I don't know if there's a coach there that can coach him hard and say, hey, Baker, you need to get on the details. Make sure your footwork and all that other stuff is correct so you can throw the ball the way that we know that you can throw it.
0: Yeah, and I, look, he's, he's under a lot of pressure, Buck. Uh, he's been sacked eight times already through two games. He was sacked 25 times in 14 games. Uh, last year so uh, becoming more of a passing team putting more on his plate and then an offensive line that that I thought played a little bit over their head last year has come back to to reality Uh, a couple new faces on there and I I think you're seeing that show up this team uh, you know look Buck when I look when I look at the schedule And this was a little bit of my concern with the Cleveland Browns because, I mean, everybody wanted to say this was the, uh, you know, this is a Super Bowl representative from the AFC. We're seeing Baker struggle. And I look ahead, Rams at Ravens, at 49ers, -hmm. Seahawks at Patriots, at Broncos, Bills. Tell me where the bad defense is in that group of teams. I mean, goodness gracious.
3: (laughs) No, look, you're talking about a tough slate of games on the horizon. So, DJ, let's just. Use that scenario, right? So we're looking at those tough games. You talked about five tough games in a row against really quality defense. Let's just say at the end of it, the Browns are 1-6. and six. Does that do anything? Ooh. Are they firmly behind Freddie Kitchens? Do they really feel good about the direction of the program? Do they feel like they can kind of – they have the pieces in place to get them out of a tailspin if, it, if the tailspin occurs? How does that change Freddie Kitchens – and his job situation, his job status, based on the fact that he is an inexperienced coach, he's a first time, really, you can say he's a first time coordinator and head coach, and he's trying to do it all at the same time. How does that change the dynamic around the team when the expectations were so high for the Browns going into this season?
0: And, and I think this game, man, this is uh, this is going to be a turning point game for them. The Rams. Prime time at home, getting a chance to play against a Super Bowl uh, contending team in the Rams. If if things go really well, they can ride that momentum and 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 try and you know go on the road with those games against the Ravens and the Niners and uh, see if they can maybe split those and they're off and running. Now, if they get their doors blown off by the Rams, now you're going on the road for a couple of weeks. You've got a young team, you've got a lot of egos on that team. That thing could go the other way quick. Uh, so, so to me, this game—it's week three. and It seems crazy to say it, but I think this is a turning point game for them against the Rams in this one.
3: Mm. So this is what they call a—what do we call in wrestling? Is this a winner win or go home? Uh, a a death oh, match? loser leave town like, match? Loser, yeah, this might be a loser leave, leave town match. Like because if they don't get a win, and you just—I mean, you just quoted uh, the schedule and what uh, is it, is on the horizon. Man, this is really, really tough for them. And I Look, they have to get it right because they need to be able to run the ball. they got dynamic weapons on the outside. You, have, you saw what Odell Beckham can do. We know what Jarvis Landry can do. They have to get the ball to Nick Chubb. I think that is the missing piece of their offensive puzzle. For whatever reason, they've kind of gone away from running the ball. I think the running game could be their best friend as they go forward trying to get this offense up and going.
0: Hey, no doubt. I, I want to get to the uh, the big game of the week in the NFL slate before we get to get to that college matchup and have some fun here. Um, when you look at the Ravens and the Chiefs, all eyes are going to be on the quarterbacks, and, and Pat Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. We know what we thought of those guys coming through the draft process book, but now seeing both teams have success, um, doing it differently, obviously, with these two guys. But I wonder if there is a takeaway uh, from from the evaluation of those two and what they've done that if we carry it into the future, the impact of their performance might have in the future as we go through drafts to come?
3: Oh, I mean, it definitely has had an impact. I think we've already seen the impact that it's had. I think we need to look no farther than what happened with Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray is a byproduct of the success that Pat Mahomes had in his second season as the MVP of the league. Uh, When you look at the baseball background, their ability to play uh, as – improvisational specialist the talent when it comes to the arm talent while mixing some of the run ability that you would like to see I think it has already impacted the way evaluators look at the quarterback position even farther when you look at Pat Mahomes and now even Lamar Jackson I think it kind of opens up an avenue for those quarterbacks that we quickly dismissed said there there was no chance for those guys being frontline starters I think Lamar Jackson Opens up a lane for those guys to potentially have success. Remember, all of the conversation around Lamar Jackson entering the draft, he's a runner, he's not a thrower. You had suggestions of maybe being a wide receiver or a running back. Will he ever be able to throw well enough to to succeed? Well, last season, we saw him run well enough to lead the Baltimore Ravens into the playoffs. Um, did a great job stepping in as a starter. This team led the league in rushing once he step, stepped in. Well, this season, we're seeing... The full Lamar Jackson experience, we're seeing him run it, we're seeing him throw it, we're seeing him make big plays down the field, and we've seen the explosiveness out of this offense. You know it's a copycat league, and the more that Lamar Jackson plays at this level with Pat Mahomes also playing at the level that he's playing at, the more it opens up for a lot of these college quarterbacks that we used to say, "Uh, I don't know if there's a way for him to make it into the league it now really opens up the door for evaluators to look at those guys and welcome them into the team and to build plans around them as they go forward in terms of looking at them as franchise quarterbacks.
0: I think it's fascinating to me when you look at the team-building uh, aspect of it, Buck, in that the great personnel departments, they do two things. Number one, they look around and see what they have. You know, at the, when they're getting ready to bring in a quarterback, you look and see what you have. Okay, now we go out and get a quarterback. And then once you get that quarterback around what you have and and you use this all the time, like once we get a chance to see where, you know, where the needs and where the holes are, now it's incumbent on you to go get that done, go on the shopping list and go get it. And I thought last year with Baltimore, the thing that was missing was speed at receiver to to be able to pay off all these runs. They go out and get Hollywood Brown and you've seen this offense just really explode um, in the passing attack. And I think I look at Pat Mahomes and it's. Knowing what you have in Andy Reid as a play designer and as a quarterback developer. And knowing, OK, with Andy, now we can go out and get Pat Mahomes, um, who maybe has a little distance to travel in terms of his development. We're going to redshirt him for a full year. And, and Andy's going to coach him up. And then the payoff's going to be huge. But you know what you have in terms of coaches and personnel. And that is the fit to bring in a player. And Then even once you get him in there, uh, you saw even the Chiefs, uh, with what they have offensively, even went out and got more speed uh, with Miko Hardman uh, to, to get more guys. Look, this guy's got a unique arm. Let's get guys that can really, really stretch the football field, and they continue to add pieces there. But it's it all goes back to fit and team building and, and making the whole thing come together and work.
3: Absolutely. It is about, um, we talk about in the evaluation process, the team building process, uh, building it around your quarterback. And so Kansas City was already established. Like Kansas City could have rolled with Alex Smith. It wouldn't have looked the same the way that it's looked now. We saw Alex Smith play at a Pro Bowl level with the same supporting cast. Mm-hmm. When well, now you drop Pat Mahomes in, with a noted uh, quarterback developer in Andy Reid, you allow a terrific dynamic player to be surrounded by explosive weapons and speed all over. And we saw this offense go from really good to great in a hurry. In Baltimore, I think it's even more interesting what they've done. They, I mean, they were constructed to build a team around Joe Flacco, they get Lamar Jackson. They added some tight ends, but I don't know if those tight ends were necessarily for Joe Flacco or for Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson jumps in. They go all in on this option attack, and then they spend this offseason looking at Lamar Jackson and really looking at college offenses and trying to figure out what is the best way they can modernize a college offense to make it acceptable to the pro game, and they've done that. Then they added the playmakers. You talk about the speed that they've added. It's not only – Hollywood Brown, but it's a running back in Justice Hill. It's another power back in Mark Ingram. They upgraded their playmakers around him, which has elevated the play of Lamar Jackson.
0: No doubt. And, uh, and before we move on, I do want to point this out real quick because, um, look, the NFL has a long way to go in terms of, of making sure we have more African-American general manager candidates, that we make sure we have more African-American head coaching candidates, But Buck, I I was looking this up, and I thought this was pretty cool because I I can't. I know it's only two weeks into the season, but I can't imagine we've ever had this um, this setup right now. I was looking at let's look at quarterback rating right now. Number one is Lamar Jackson. Number two is Dak Prescott. Number three is Pat Mahomes, and number four is Russell Wilson. That's pretty cool, oh, man. Wow. I mean, you are seeing uh, you are seeing the African American quarterback. This is this is uh, this is really exploding right now. These guys are playing at an elite level, and uh, you know, like I said, league has the other areas we need to need to improve. But this is uh, that's a good sign, man. <laughs>
3: You know, DJ, like it's funny. So if you want to see the head coaching ranks improve, and I, a little hats off to you for pointing it out. I wasn't even aware of those four guys being uh, top four and passer rating. But if you really want to improve the coaching ranks, if you really look at the guys who ascend to becoming coaches in the National Football League, and really at every level, typically they're quarterbacks. Well, the way that you improve mm-hmm. uh, the, the ranks you got to populate the position with former players. Well, now that you're having more African Americans in the QB1 role, you will begin to see a slow infiltration of the pipeline of coaches because as those guys leave the field and get into coaching, it then gives them more opportunities to kind of uh, climb the ranks. It may be a slow climb, but the way African Americans are playing the quarterback position gives them hope that eventually you'll see some of these guys transition into being head coaches down the line.
0: No doubt. Uh, Anyway, and this is, (laughs) you look at Lamar Jackson, you look at Lamar Jackson, Dak Prescott, Pat Mahomes, Russell Wilson, they ain't going anywhere. Uh, These guys are still young, plenty of good football ahead of them. And as we see this older generation of quarterbacks kind of, you know, we've seen them get hurt and benched and they're going to retire more opportunities. And I'm not even talking about uh, Jacoby Brissett, who's playing good football. Deshaun Watson's playing good football. Um, Pretty cool, man. It's an exciting time. Kyler Murray's off to a good start. Um, So I'd be curious to know, maybe we can look that up and we'll talk about it next week but if this is if is this the most is this the, the biggest number of african-americans we've had starting at one time uh, i wonder i mean there, I, right? I, I i think so like because look cam newton
3: is still uh there Jameis winston yep. is there um uh look marcus Mariota isn't black but he's a minority i i don't know if we've had this yeah. many at one time and this is a Bucky Brooks notebook. This is the Bucky Brooks notebook I mean, right it, here, but It looks like it. Like, yeah, you got to write about that, right. You can't see me right now. I'm, I'm writing all this down because I was, I was unaware <laughs> of it. You know what I'm saying? And it was one of those things that kind of organically popped up in the conversation. But, yeah, like, DJ, just off the top of my head, I'm looking at one, two, three, four, five. We're talking about nine quarterbacks. Um, that you're mentioning. And mm-hmm. I don't know if there's ever been a time in the league Teddy Bridgewater will get a start this, this week. So that give you 10. Yeah, that's That right. give you 10 starting quarterbacks. So you're talking about a third of the league. It has never been a situation where one third of the league has been um, African-American or minority at the position. Uh, that is definitely a wave of change. And I think it's a wave of change that started at the lower levels and it's begun to kind of triculate up uh, to the highest level of football.
0: No doubt. Um, Well, let's uh, let's switch gears here. We're going to get to our coaches, uh, Mac Brown from North Carolina, Eli Drinkwitz from App State. But before we do that, obviously the big game of the weekend is Georgia and Notre Dame. And uh, just quick thoughts from you, what you're expecting in this game. And I want to talk about uh, really the quarterbacks, Jake Fromm, Ian Book, a huge opportunity for them. And Jake Fromm hasn't really got a chance to throw the ball very much uh, so far this season as they've been blowing the doors off people. He's going to get a chance to do that this week.
3: Yeah, no, this is this is a tremendous opportunity. I think as an evaluator, you always love marquee games. Um, if I have an opportunity to look at guys, I want to see guys play against players that we know will be in the National Football League. And so when I look at Notre Dame and Georgia, I see a ton of NFL guys that will kind of eventually have their opportunity to make it in the league. Georgia is loaded. Georgia is loaded everywhere with NFL prospects. But their quarterback is one that is really intriguing. And the reason why he's intriguing is He may not be an A-level talent in terms of when you look at his physical traits, you look at his arm talent, his arm strength, uh, the way that the athleticism and the movement skills. But, man, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find a guy who has his leadership skills, a guy who has his competitiveness, because, remember, this guy has fended off how many five-star quarterbacks during his time at Georgia? Jacob Eason, he <laughs> sent pack them all packing. J- Justin Fields, he sent packing. I'm sure there was another five-star quarterback that was on the team that he also uh, wrestled the job away from. And so when you, when we look at the quarterback position, and we've heard it, DJ, how many times have we talked to coaches in recent weeks about what do you look for in the quarterback position? The first thing they ask, they they respond: leadership, toughness, competitiveness. He has all of those things. If he is able to kind of put together a string of performances, I don't know if he'll be a first-round talent But I certainly can see where a team, a good team that already has pieces in place, can say, hey, this is the perfect guy that has the management skills to allow us to play at a high level. Jake Fromm is a very interesting prospect. He needs to do it in big games to continue that narrative uh, being positive for him in the scouting community. But man, the leadership, the toughness, uh, the wins and the competitiveness certainly gives him a chance to be a top prospect that we'll talk about.
0: Yeah, and he's playing behind the best offensive line in college football. Uh, a couple tackles I watched last week; they're really, really good. Ooh, and then you really look at uh, the best running back in college football as well. So they have got some dudes there at Georgia. Uh, on the other side, Ian Book has played well uh, this year. Uh, you know, he's somebody that uh, you know doesn't get mentioned because he's not the biggest guy in the world. I, I've compared him size wise. He he reminds me a little bit of Trace McSorley. Um, but he's you talk about smart, tough, and uh, kind of a gamer. He fits into that into the, into that mold. And uh, I know I know Georgia's heavy favorite in this game. A lot of people expect them to just blow the doors off Notre Dame. Ian Book's got a chance to keep this thing close. And I think that 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 Notre Dame defensive line, several NFL prospects in that group as well. Uh, so it'll be up to them to, to kind of control this Georgia ground game. But keep an eye on those two quarterbacks. One of them will emerge and uh, create some momentum for their draft status coming out of this game. I, I do believe that.
3: Oh, absolutely. I, I, this, this is a big time game. Now, I, I can't go. You, you mentioned the running back, DeAndre Swift. All eyes are on him. Uh, we, we've seen... Some of the running backs, the running backs that have been taken in the first round of the last few years have come in and been immediate impact players. I believe you have to rank DeAndre Swift just on flash scouting. He has to be in that conversation with the Christian McCaffreys and, and those guys in terms of how they look when they were coming out of school. It will be interesting when we begin to really dig down and evaluate the running back position, how many guys can carry first round grades uh, preliminarily. I, I know he looks like a first-round pick without even really studying him really yeah. hard.
0: <laughs> yeah, he he's not tough. That one's not tough to do. Uh, all right, Buck, let's get to the matchup that we care about. We've got App State traveling to take on North Carolina Uh, My school versus your school, it's going to be a fun game, man. And uh, we are so we are so pumped that we've got a chance to talk to to both of the head coaches ahead of this matchup. And uh, first up is your former head coach and once again, the current head coach at North Carolina, Mack Brown. Here's our conversation.
3: DJ, it is always a pleasure when I get to talk to my old coach, my old college coach, Mac Brown, Hall of Fame coach, national championship coach, a guy who is now back at my program, Carolina, bringing it back. Coach Brown, how are you doing?
4: I'm doing great, Bucky. How are you guys?
3: Man, Coach, we, we're great. Um, doing great. Yeah, we're great. It's, it's, it's a tremendous opportunity to talk to you, especially at this time of year, because We're in the process of discussing team building philosophies and how you build a winning program. And just based on your experience, what does a championship program look like?
4: Bucky, I think it it starts with communication and it it sounds frail, but if you can't learn to talk to each other, then you don't know who each other are and you don't know about your backgrounds and, uh, and then you can't build up trust and respect. And without trust and respect, you got nothing. And, and then you got to have a common purpose. Uh, in the end, our, our common purpose is we want to have fun, because not enough people are right now in, in our society. Uh, we want to win all the games, obviously. We want to graduate the guys, but we also want them to better prepare themselves for life after football. So when they know that everything we do is for one of those three purposes, four purposes, uh, that's who we are. But we also had everybody sit down and tell their story. And so many times now with new coaches coming in, they're bashing the previous coach and uh, we don't have any players and, and they're all covering their rear ends. And, and we thought it's more important to worry about these seniors because they haven't had a good experience the last couple of years. Tell these seniors we're going to win now, but let's get to know each other. So we actually sat and all told our life story and, and we'd say, Bucky, where are you from? Tell me about your parents. Tell me about your siblings. Uh, who, who do you respect most in this room on this team and why? And what's the biggest hardship you've ever had in your life? And, and it was really interesting how honest everybody was. And I think that really helped us get off to a good start.
0: Coach, that, that time you took away from the game and, and going and doing the television and getting a chance to, to really study college football across the country, um, was there anything during that time period that you kind of kept maybe a journal or some notes to the side and said, man, if I come back, I'm going to make this change or that change? And, and how beneficial was that period for you?
4: DJ, it was really beneficial, and Bucket can tell you I'm a note taker, so that's I sit and I listen and I, I I try to write little things down that make a difference in my life, and I didn't know if I'd go back and coach or not, but I, I'm passionate about the game and coaching and playing and players, and and it was one of the harder things for me at ESPN because I love the game and the coaches and the kids so much that ESPN would get upset that I wouldn't bash somebody, and I said, he's killing himself. The man's working himself to death. It's not working, but he's killed himself. So come on, man. Give me a break. It, it, it's hard to win. Uh, so I think I, I learned a number of things. Number one, I learned a lot more about the media and that you guys have a very difficult job and you're not trying to bash coaches and you're not trying to get on the inside and, and make something up that's not factual. you got hard jobs. It's hard every day to find something that nobody else knows that's of interest to them. Uh, so, and you got to be honest with what you do. So I, that, that really helped me from that perspective. Uh, secondly, I, I saw that most coaches are, are miserable. They're not very happy. They're, uh, they're fighting everybody. They're fighting everything. They're all worried about getting fired. They're all worried about losing and, and they're not enjoying the journey and the game and the kids. And, and it wasn't as much fun for me Friday night, but, uh we, we at least still I, I know where we are and what we're doing. And, and my purpose to come back is to mentor kids and and enjoy the ride and, and, and mentor some young coaches more than just uh, being miserable. Like I, I got at Texas when you have to win all the games. And if you don't, you know, your identity gets hurt and you're not who you're supposed to be.
3: You know, Coach, it's funny that you talk about that because I've heard you on other interviews talk about having fun and how important it is to have fun and to make sure that you enjoy the process. One of the things that I've always learned from you is it's about the players. You've always been a player-led coach. You want the players to kind of run the program. When you think about players and players that you want to play for you, what are the core traits of those guys?
4: Bucky, it's it's a great question. I want good people that have good hearts uh, that have passion and pride uh, uh, in their lives and, and uh, the pride that they're they're not ever going to let you down. Uh, our guys, were they played so hard for the first two weeks and probably beat teams that are more talented than we are and shocked everybody and shocked us a little bit. Uh, Wake Forest was a team that played harder than we did in the first quarter and first half. And I walked in Sunday and I asked the guys, uh, just like at halftime, I said, we are who we are. So if we're not going to play with passion, we're we're going to get beat. and If that's who you are, that's okay. But it's it's not who I thought we were. And then they fight their guts out and come back to one second left in the game and have a chance to win. And I was very proud of them for that. So on Sunday we walk in and I, I say, Bucky, why why did we lose? Tell me why we lost. And to a man, all the seniors said uh, we weren't as passionate in the first half as as we were in the first two games. And I said, so why is that? They said, I don't know, Coach. We just we. We felt it during the week. You told us during the week, but it didn't happen. We just we couldn't we couldn't get through it. I said, "Well, we've got to, because you you, Appalachian's going to play with a lot of energy on Saturday. You've got to every week, and it's hard to do. And one of the hardest things for me, uh, guys, is to figure out why it's so hard to play or hard every week. And that's the other thing I learned, DJ. I watch for five years. I watched teams not play hard. (laughs) They were flat, or they'd play really high, and then they'd stink. And, and it, why can't mm-hmm. we just go play? And, and uh, that's a hard <laughs> one for kids this age, but it's, uh, it, it's something that uh, is frustrating. So to answer your question, Bucky, I, I want guys that care. And, and I told them they're going to get everything I've got every day within the rules. I'm going to give them everything I can give them, and I want it back. I want them to give me everything they've got every day, and I want to be honest, and I want them to be hardworking, and I want them to be tough. And all of those things will help them have a better life later.
0: Coach, you got a really good young quarterback there uh, for the Tar Heels. And and when you look at the great teams, the national championship team sticks out to me that you were on. Obviously, had a very special quarterback there uh, in Vince Young. The way the game is played right now in college football, what, what are the three or four core requirements you have to have at that position to excel?
4: Number one, and, and we had Colt McCoy too, DJ. So we had a run there of about something yeah, absolutely, and eight or something. Absolutely, we 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 ended up looking smart because of those two guys. <laughs> um, I, I think the, the number the number one thing is you got to be able to lead other people. You've got to be able to do that because when you're on the field and you're down, you don't know who your quarterback is, or you don't know who your team is until you have a close game. They come from behind and win. So that that's that's key for me. The second thing is, uh, I feel like you've got to be able to move your feet, because uh, there, there's usually better athletes on defense than there are rushing the passer, than there are blocking for them. Um, so you're gonna have to move around some, or, or you're gonna get knocked down a lot. And then the third thing for me is is uh, you, you got to know what to do mentally. You you've gotta you gotta be a workaholic. You gotta be over here every day and. And be obsessed with the game, and, and last would be accuracy. I remember when um, mm-hmm. when Colt McCoy was playing for us, we'd be at practice. And the ball never hit the ground. It would never be on the ground. And and then I go with lesser <laughs> quarterbacks. And I'm seeing balls against the air, Bucky, and we're <laughs> we're not throwing it to the right place. And I say, come on, man, it's against the air. If we can't be air, we can't be defensive backs. So, uh, but uh, right, right now, Sam Sam's a guy that the balls on the ground very seldom.
3: You know, you know, Coach, and watching Sam and watching the team, um, it is amazing to watch the team from one year to the next. Uh, we talked about what a championship program looks like, but when you step in and you're in a program where they've been down, they've been beat down a little bit, they haven't won, how do you teach a team how to win?
4: It's also an interesting question. About the third week we were here, one of the seniors raised his hand. I've been giving him pep talks and do this and do that. And he said, yeah, but how do you win? Tell me how you win. I thought, ooh, never been asked that before by a player. So, uh, what what you do is you you have a plan, you have a process you go through, and you don't talk a lot about winning. You talk about doing the things right that are important. And and we say little things really and truly. All those little things are big things. And and it's uh, Admiral McRaven's a great friend of mine. He was head of the Navy SEALs, and he, he was the one that captured Bin Laden. And 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 he wrote a book, Make Your Bed. And it simply means mm-hmm. do things right, start your morning right. And, and, and what we started doing, Bucky, is is saying uh, go to class, all of them. Be on time to meetings. If not, we're locking the door and you're not getting in. And you got to learn to be on time. They said, well, what about hats? Can we wear hats inside? And I said, I don't care if you wear it, but someone comes up to you, take it off, and be respectful, and say yes, sir, and no, sir, and yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am, and, and let people go through the door before you do. Just little things like that. Pick pick up your trash. The, the dressing room was trash. The uh, The training table. Pick it up. Pick it up. And they said, well, what, what, what's that going to matter? Well, you'll have fewer penalties. You'll have more pride in what you do. And you'll start looking at things from a different perspective. And And I think that's the, the thing you have to do to win. And, and if you do all of those things right in your life every day, then you start doing things right in your life every day. And the little things that are really huge – become important to you
0: coach I'm, I'm curious you know through the recruiting process and I'm sure it's changed over the years um, but how, how do you get your staff to understand the importance you talked about you want competitive guys um, I know some guys are going to be higher rated than others some guys are going to you're going to have more pressure on you from the outside you've got to sign this kid because he's a five-star kid or what have you but how do you give your coaches and your whole operation the courage to say no to some of these guys, because they might not be the right fit for your program.
4: Yeah, DJ, it's a, it's a great question. It is a very difficult thing to do. And what I've done is, is the other thing I learned when I was out five years is, uh, that I know more about this than most of the people that haven't been doing it for 31 (laughs) years. So I'm the one that says, I'm not, he doesn't fit here. Bucky Bucky knows North Mm -hmm, Carolina is a different place. It's got some Ivy league to it. And and not everybody fits here. You walk into that classroom, you better be willing to study, and you better be smart, and you better be confident. And I've told our guys with a couple of guys, I just said, guys, he's not going to make it here. So we, we can get him in for, for a year, but that's not going to help us. We're going to mm-hmm. lose somebody that would be a two-year player because we took this guy. And uh, so I'm, I'm mm-hmm. looking at it very, very closely. And, and one of the things that's really helped me here is familiarity. I'm familiar with the state. I'm still familiar with so many of the high school coaches. I'm familiar with the university. It's kind of funny, Bucky, but the vice chancellor comes up and says, Hey, yeah, I graduated in '94 when you were here. And I said, Oh, that's great. <laughs> uh, you guys, you guys were, right. you were puppies when I was here before. So don't, don't keep telling me how young you were and all that. Uh, but I, I know the university, it hadn't changed much. Chapel Hill hadn't changed a lot. So um, I'm, I'm very familiar with who fits here. And then I was able to hire a lot of coaches that have recruited this area. So they also have recruited against North Carolina for so many years, and they understand uh, how hard it is to recruit against North Carolina if we're doing what we're supposed to do because it's a special place. But they also understand the, the, the negatives that people will say about us in recruiting because they were the ones saying all those things probably.
3: <laughs> you know, Col- Coach, um- I've heard a lot of coaches that are having success now have said that they've talked to you or they spent time with you in your program, not only in North Carolina, but at Texas, and that they learn how to kind of create culture. When you think about that word culture, what does it mean when it comes to building your program and how important is it to have the culture right before you really can win at a big level?
4: Bucky, I think the the biggest thing is that people use the word culture all the time. I've never used it much, but I, I think you are who you are. And the first thing that has to happen with our assistant coaches, our staff, and our team is they have to know that I'm going to be honest with them. So whatever I tell them, I'm going to do. And if they don't have that trust, then it it just doesn't work. So first thing we did is we came in and said, okay, Bucky, you've been losing. Why? Tell me why you're losing. Tell me what needs to change. Secondly, what what do you want? What do you need? Well, the food's bad. We'll fix the food. So Sally and I ate on the training table every day, and if the food was bad, I brought the guy in and said, "Hey, change this. This is dry. This is too greasy." And and if you don't change it, we're going to change you. Period. <laughs> so the, the the kids like that. They, now now we got great food, and that looks good. The players' lounge. Why don't you go in the players' lounge? There's nothing in there we like. Here, here pad and pencil. Write down what you like. What do you want? I want this video game. Okay, we'll get it. I want a bigger Papa shot. I want two. Um, great, we'll get them. I want sleep pods. We'll get it. Whatever you want, <laughs> but you got to come in there and use it because we want you around here. We want you to believe in us. Uh, the, the the field has been bad for the last couple of years. We'll put field turf in. We'll put synthetic grass. And that we'll be faster than other people. And that that's going. It's going to look good. And um, the the weight room, coach. We don't have the right weights. Which we'll change the weight room. Fix it. Well, our lockers are still the ones you probably use, Bucky. And we said, uh, no, let's, let's get new lockers. Let's fix them. So number one, you got to commit to them. Number two, you've got to give them what they want within the rules and make sure that they understand that the program is special. It's not just uh, we're, we're not asking you to do special things, but not giving you special things to do those things. And And then thirdly, they need to know that if I tell them, Uh, they're going to have steak on Friday night and steak doesn't show up, then I'm not doing my job. So whatever you tell these young people, they need to know that you're going to follow it up. And again, we all talk about little things, little things like trust are huge. And without that, it it just doesn't work. So I've become DJ. Another thing about the five years I've become so direct with our staff and our assistant coaches. I've, I've become so direct with our team. I tell them exactly what I think. And and I and I've told them you if you don't want to hear the truth, then grow up. <laughs> grow up. That, that, that's, part, that's part of life. Uh, people are gonna tell you things you don't want to hear. And and so our assistant coaches say, I can't believe that kid's so sensitive. He's gotta grow up. And then I jump on them, first thing they do is pout. <laughs> and I said, he gotta he gotta grow up your fifty. Come on, man. We all gotta grow up. Let's quit,
0: let's,
4: quit, let's quit being sensitive and let's talk about what we need to do to fix this place.
0: I love it, Coach. I tell you what, I've got notes full of leadership right now, and also a note to myself that when I get out to visit the North Carolina football program, I'm coming on a Friday because it sounds like that might be steak. <laughs> a steak night. Uh, so I'm, 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 I'm in for that steak on a Friday night there at Chapel Hill. Uh, Coach, promise you this is the one this bit. is the question. Okay, that's it. Uh, your promises are gold. I know that. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm gonna be there, uh, Coach. We've asked this to a bunch of different coaches, and we've got so many fascinating answers. So I'm anxious to hear your reply here. Um, we've asked guys the best high school football player that you've ever seen. It could be a player that you signed. A bunch of them have been guys that these these coaches didn't sign. But there's there's a guy that stuck out to him as as just the best high school football player you've ever seen. Who is it?
4: I would probably – I'm going to give you three. Vince Young, who was one of the best players (laughs) to ever play the game. Derek Johnson, linebacker for the Kansas City Chiefs, who I saw make 33 tackles in a high school football game. And Adrian Peterson, who made me miserable for four years (laughs) in Oklahoma. (laughs) Lynn Swan was the sideline reporter and I think Adrian had two hundred yards the first half rushing. He said, How do you stop him? I said, I've watched six other games. Nobody else has stopped him. So why would you think we're gonna win? I said we're we're gonna watch him run, that's all we're doing right now. He's that good. But there's so many great ones, but those those have to be right right at the top of my list. Yeah.
3: Hey coach, that's um that's fabulous. I mean, you named awesome. all those guys VY. I, I had a small little wager that V Vince would would show up. I I also thought that uh What's that say? I said, uh... Uh, you said Cedric Benson. Cedric Benson. I, thought, no. I thought I thought, Cedric I, thought, Cedric Benson. I said Vy. Yeah. Then I said Cedric Benson would also show up in the list.
4: Well, Ricky Williams, Cedric Benson, <laughs> Jamal oh, yeah. Charles, Roy Williams, Bucky Brooks. I mean, let, let's just. Uh, I would not say Corey Holliday, but he was too slow. <laughs> coach, <that's
0: laughs> hey, Coach, Coach, I gotta tell you my I gotta tell you my Ricky Williams story here real quick because I was in, I grew up in San Diego, so played baseball against Ricky, but I I our teams didn't play each other in high school, but I went and watched him play against Granite Hills. And uh, the Granite Hills bottles Ricky Williams up the whole game, coach. And Granite Hills is up six nothing. They're like the fifteen yard line. It's it's late in the game. A couple minutes left. They're going to kick a field goal. It's going to be nine nothing. The game's over. Ricky breaks the line, blocks the field goal, scoops it, and scores. And Patrick Henry won 7-6 uh, because of Ricky Williams. He was unbelievable, Rick, man.
4: Ricky I always wanted to cover kickoffs. He wanted to be the linebacker. He wanted, I said, just shut up and run the ball. That's all I, that's all I need you to do. Right, so we, we're, we're playing a He's got a chance to break the uh, rushing record, number one. Uh, and then he's got a chance to be the all-time leading all-purpose yardage Record winner, um, and that was McCallum from uh, Navy. Um, so mm-hmm. he, he says, "Coach, can I return kickoff so I, I can beat McCallum's record?" And I said, "You got 64 yards to get against ANM. They're the number six defense in the country. You better be worried about getting your 64 yards." He said, ah, "Not worried about that, Coach. I want I want the overall record, which was 235 or something, uh, Napoleon McCallum." And I, I said, "No, you can't do it." So. He, he breaks the rushing record first, and he comes over and says, I got it, Coach. I'm, I'm good. And he said, well, what about that kickoff return? I said, no. No, let's go beat A&M. <laughs> so he, come, he comes back. He ends up breaking McCallum's record, and he comes by and pats me on the tail and says, uh, uh, we're good. I don't need to kickoff return, Coach. I nailed it. <laughs> That's where he is.
3: That's great. So, uh... so Coach, so this weekend you're um, participating in the first annual – Bucky Brooks, Daniel Jeremiah Bull. It's North Carolina versus Ooh. Ooh. App State. Can you give us just God, a that's, little...
4: That's pressure. That's a lot of pressure. pressure. And
3: I know it's special for you <laughs> knowing that you coached at yeah. App State and started at App State. So give me a little little preview on the Mountaineers.
4: Well, number one, can we do this with DJ sitting here or do we need to have him step out? No, no, can, we, can do, <laughs> no, we, can, we can do it. No, ahead. We can, no you can, go you can, ahead. No, you can, you can fluff him <laughs> okay. up and
3: talk about how great they are and all that other stuff. That's perfect. I, I, right. I believe in that. <laughs>
4: Well, Number one, I love the place. They gave me my first start. Uh, We have a home in Linville, 17 miles from Boone. The last five years, we've spent nearly six months up there, and I love the people. I love the place. I've been fundraising for Appalachian for the last five years. Uh, with Doug Gillum, their are uh, uh, athletic. Oh, the so so I mean I've been wearing my black and my black and gold. I've had my A hat on at the golf course, so I'm I'm all in. And and then I said, boy, that's stupid for North Carolina to be playing them because they got the best team in the state. And, and that was three years ago. And then I show up, and now here I am. So uh, welcome back to the first bowl game between you two. Um, you you look at the job that's. Sparky Woods did after I left, you look at the job that Jerry Moore did, three national championships, and then I thought maybe they shouldn't go uh, FBS, and, and here they are. They, they've uh, won 11, 11, 9, and 10 the last four years. They've won more than anybody else in the state of North Carolina. Um, and, of course, they play East Tennessee in the opener, which they didn't have to stress for. They play Charlotte the second game, which they didn't have to stress for. Then they get a week off because their conference allows them to to come in here fresh and excited about playing North Carolina for only the second time in school history, the first time was 1940, and I did not make that game. I was not there. I promise. So, uh, but they're they're when you look at them, they're really talented. I said this morning they're they're as talented as the ACC teams that we play, and they've got a lot of guys uh, that are are big time. And and I give Scott Satterfield credit for finding guys that that other people didn't find that that are so good and um but they're just good you don't win as many games as as they have yet the miami got after them wake forest beat them with uh, a last second field goal tennessee beats them in overtime penn state beats them in overtime i mean they're not the one that you check out and say uh, hey you want to play <laughs> uh, that's uh this bunch in Central Florida are not two that you go looking for to put on your schedule. Let's put it that way. For sure,
3: for sure.
0: Well, coach is always a pleasure. Well coach, well, coach, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. If 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 you can just be nice to my Mountaineers, I'll get your steak dinner, and then uh, <laughs> yeah. then, then
4: we'll be yeah. eating there. That's all. That's all we need to do. Hey. I, I've seen video DJ that's not going to fly. Don't even, don't even start with it. You need to call them out. Here's I, I told them I like you guys. I live there. Come on, man. Be
3: nice. Be nice. Uh, either way, Coach, oh, we're, we're definitely going to enjoy it. We, we so appreciate you spending a little time. I always love when I get a chance to catch up with you. I'm um, looking forward to the great things you can do at Chapel Hill. Best of luck this weekend and going forward the rest of the season.
4: Thank you guys. And DJ, you can see the reason I coach are the Bucky Brooks of the world. They're, they're a joy to my life. And I'm so proud of those guys. And they're just they're just part of a big family that I've been so lucky to have for so many years. And so many head coaches, so many people don't get to be a head coach. So many don't get to be a head coach more than about three years, 31 years. I got a lot of great people in my life like Bucky and love you to death.
0: Thanks, Coach. Well, Bucky is a walking billboard for you, Coach. He speaks <laughs> so highly of you, and I've learned—I've learned—I feel like I've learned so much from you uh, through Bucky.
4: So, thank you, thank you for that. I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me on, right. and, and Bucky. I hope you're really thank excited you Saturday, and DJ. I hope you're miserable.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Buck, I oh man, I I, I got to be honest. I love your coach and Mac Brown. Although him saying that he wants me to be miserable hurt a little bit. I, I, I got to be honest, <laughs> like that hurt a little bit. Uh, but man, the the charisma, the charisma that he has, you can tell. Um, while he, he while he ran the state of North Carolina and why he was able to win a national championship at Texas, I think people, I think people remember the Texas stuff, Buck. But you were there, obviously, at North Carolina. It was a time with Mac there that. They were kind of like Clemson, and that they could go anywhere in the Southeast, and that was the place everybody wanted to go.
3: Yeah, look, DJ, that was uh, a time. I I think people forget his last year at North Carolina. They finished in the top five. I want to say they finished number four in the polls. Uh, That was Dre Dre Bly and Greg Ellis and that crew. And you're right. uh, When Carolina was good, and when Carolina was really rolling under Mac Brown, he did a great job of recruiting, kind of like a four state area. It was. North Carolina, South yep. Carolina, Virginia, and then a little bit of the D.C. and Georgia swing. So we'll we'll say four because you split those two states. But uh, he kept it local, and he did a great job of developing those guys. I think he's tried to energize the base to get back to really putting the fence around that area. And the one thing that I believe he has done, he's added some excitement. The freshman quarterback that they have, Sam Howell, has been terrific. He's kind of a good spraying player. spraying the ball all over uh, the yard, and so they've been able to score points. Now we'll see. Because this would be a major test for them. App State uh, traditionally has played really good defense. They have an older, established team. And so this would be one where the challenge will be, can he get his guys up coming off that disappointing loss at Wake Forest to get them to play arguably their best game of the year uh, because they were a little flat versus Wake Forest uh, last Friday night.
0: Well, they're not going to be flat. There's going to be a lot of energy in this stadium for this game. Um, it, it's going to be a lot of fun. And it, great to catch up with Mac Brown. And uh, equal, equal time here on the of 6 podcast, because we got a chance also to visit with, uh, with the head coach of my school, Eli Drinkwitz, has taken over the App State football program, uh, finds themselves at 2-0, and but this is a big one. And I do believe he knows it. you're going to get a sense of that during our conversation with Coach Drinkwitz. All right, Coach, it's, it's great to have you with us. My, my first question for you, just uh, how much fun are you having uh, being a head coach for the first time here at App State? Are you enjoying this?
5: I, the only thing I can equate it to is like going to church camp for a week, but I've been doing it for nine months and uh, just having the time of my life, to be honest with you. I mean, we were cracking jokes today in the staff room and, and having a good time. Uh, I enjoy being around these kids. I uh, enjoy coming to work today. I work with great people. And uh, yeah, that, that's the only thing I can equate it to.
0: We had a chance to talk to a lot of coaches and we talked to guys that, that take over teams that have, that have struggled and you're really trying to, to change the entire culture of a place. Now, you, you have a unique uh, situation here. You go into app where there's been a long history yeah. of success, but now you're tasked with taking something that's been really good and trying to take it to be great. Um, you know, yeah. How big of a challenge was that for you individually? And how do you go about attacking that? I think
5: it's actually a tough challenge because, you know, when you go into a place and you're taking over and establishing a culture, there's instant buy-in because everybody wants to win. And when you come here, uh, they've won a lot of games in the past. And so you're trying to say, well, we we need to do this to make improvements. And uh, everybody's got to have a little faith that that it's going to work. But also for me, I had to lower my ego and say – you know what, maybe there's a better way than what I've done. Maybe something they're doing is very effective. And I think as a staff, we we talked about a lot, preference versus performance. Uh, we all have preferences in life, but at the end of the day, it's about what's going to lead to the highest performance and whether or not it was their idea, our idea, something we can all work together. Do we call it this? Do we call it what they called it last year? That's really the approach we've take is low ego, high output, preference versus performance. And, um, It's been a really good gel. We've got some really good leaders. Um, The culture of this program has been set for a long time, so we didn't have to change any of that.
0: Coach, I've got my partner here. Uh, Bucky's is in the room, and, and he's a North Carolina guy. So <laughs> I, I'm just going to ask you because Bucky's a good friend. Just <laughs> just be nice to him. You can just be cordial. I didn't Look get the there. memo. We're I didn't know that Carolina. I was supposed I was to wear.
3: Inside this week, I didn't know that I was supposed to wear Appalachian State stuff. I see it all on the screen. Um, <laughs> yeah, I have a tremendous well. amount of respect for the program, having so many high school teammates that I went <laughs> yeah. to school with end up there. Wait. But I didn't get the memo. DJ should at least text me and let me know. Maybe I could have dug in the crates and found some app stuff.
5: Well, I tell you what, uh, if things go our way Saturday, I'll send you some <laughs> at you can wear
3: next week. Okay? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes! Yes! Hey, Coach, I, I want to pick up on what you talked about because I think it's interesting uh-huh. you talked about preference over performance and the challenge of yes. taking over a program that is already established. Um, a lot of times when you hear coaches take over, they talk about trust and communication and building their relationship with their players. Yeah. What are some Absolutely. of the things you've been able to do to try and get that connection so you guys can go to the next step with you in charge
5: well uh, you know we we tried a variety of things i mean we talked about you have to build trust and respect and really the four core values of our program is number one always compete we want to be better today than we were yesterday be better tomorrow than we were today and if you're always competing you can buy into that i mean that's that's the process of being a champion. Whether you did it last year, or this year, it, the process always starts over. And then the second thing is build trust and respect, uh, and that's something that only comes with investment through time. And so we've tried a lot of things. Whether it's you know going out and you know our quarterbacks played the quarterback masters tournament where we went out and played uh, you know around the golf with everybody and, and made it a fun thing. This uh, fall camp we did what we called the Mountaineer Olympics, which was uh, we, we divided each coach. Uh, drafted a team he could not draft anybody in his position group and then we had you you know unity teams where we went around and talked about shared our stories but then we also had games we had a camp out on the rock Uh, just as many different things that we can do together to build that trust and respect outside of the football field to try to gel as fast as we can and it was a it was a really awesome event i mean staying the night uh, with 120 football players on a, uh, uh, on a football field is an exciting experience, I'll tell you that, and something <laughs> a lot of them will never forget. Some have never been camping before, so it's, it was a really cool thing.
0: Coach, one of the things that people would always say about you know our teams at App State, and really it's it's been like that for a very long time since Coach Moore took over. Um, I talk with guys like Heath Evans, who we played at Auburn, talk to the guys I've played against when we played Wake. You know, all these uh, you know bigger marquee programs. They always would say the same thing to me years after the fact. You guys were the most physical team that we played against. Yeah. How mm-hmm. do you go about with the with the restrictions and the limits? On uh, what you can do in practice, in terms of maybe some of the contact that we could maybe do 15, 20 years ago, you can't do anymore. How do you maintain that level of physicality and toughness?
5: Well, we, we talk about two things there's tough and then there's dumb tough. And that's kind of how we go about yep. um, measuring which one we're doing. Um, y- you have to hit. I mean, football is a, a physical game. It, if you don't tackle, if you don't practice being physical, you're not going to be physical. It's like, you know, I, my, my father in law is a farmer. You don't get calluses on your hands by telling your hands to, to be calloused. You have to go out there and put the work in. So <laughs> we practice tough on Tuesdays. We call it Toughness Tuesdays. We we lift at 6 in the morning, and, and we go out and have a 24-period practice because that's what you have to do in order to be tough and physical, and, and that's what we do.
3: You know, Coach, when you, when you, you think about um... – Programs and recruiting is seen as the, the lifeline, the bloodline of mm-hmm. maintaining consistency. When you're sitting there and you're in the mountains and you have a tremendous uh, program to sell, how do you focus your efforts on, do I try and put a fence around the state, get the best players from the state? Do I go a little out? How does a, a coach identify, here's where we really need to put our time and energies towards bringing players in that will really fit our program?
5: I think it's twofold, really. I think the first thing, App State is such a unique place. It's all about finding the right fit. It's not getting caught up in stars or rankings or necessarily where the guy's from, the young man's from. It's about do they fit the culture of App State? Are they the kind of guys that we want to coach? Are they going to be able to be successful in Boone? Can they fit into the culture? If we find those guys then we're going to be a successful football team. Whether you're from California and come out here like maybe Daniel did or whatever, you got to find guys who can fit Boone, North Carolina. And I think the second thing is because we're Appalachian state, we actually can attract a regional interest. There's no such thing for us as saying we're going to put a, a, a fence around North Carolina because South Carolina uh, parts of Virginia, Tennessee are just as close for us, Northwest or Northeast Georgia. So we're trying to do a good job of finding those area people, finding those schools. I think for us, South Carolina has been such a great fit for us because you know they've they've got two top tier elite programs, and then after that, there's some you know ACC schools that won't go in there because I think hey, if the if the player's not good enough to go to South Carolina or Clemson, then he's not going to be good enough to come play for us. Well, that's not necessarily true. And uh, so that's what we're trying to do is find that regional niche. But the most important thing for me and recruiting and our staff is finding the right fit. Who's the young man that can fit into Boone, North Carolina and function within a highly competitive culture? Now, this is not a culture where... You're just going to come in and survive. You got to thrive. You got to be willing to compete every day. You got to understand what it takes, because the seniors and the juniors understand the expectation and the work ethic that you have to have in order to be successful here. And and if you don't match that, you're going to get weeded out real quick.
0: Coach, I, I want to go back to where you were before you came to App. Spent time at Boise, and then uh, you were there at NC yeah. State, and and really looking mm-hmm. at NC State. And the way that those teams were really good football teams you were a part of there, mm-hmm. um, I think of Ryan Finley, I think of the quarterback play that you had, number one. And I also yeah. think on the other side of the ball, that defensive line, we saw all those guys get drafted, led by Bradley Chubb, Justin Jones and company. Uh, but if you're looking at, at, at roster building, you know, mm-hmm. are those the two places you start offensive or defensive line, quarterback, where, where do you see a foundation for a football program?
5: Well, it, it all starts in the trenches. I mean, it doesn't matter if it's high school, Sunbelt, Belt, uh, NFL, ACC. You've got to win in the trenches, and you've got to establish uh, the line of scrimmage. Every time we talk about a key to victory, it's never been, "Hey, we got to establish the perimeter." It's we got to establish the line of scrimmage, <laughs> and so you, it starts there. Um, and then you got to have really good quarterback play. Now, for us, an X factor, and has always been this way at App State, is speed. Uh, you got to recruit speed. Mm-hmm. We, we may not always be able to recruit uh, four NFL defensive linemen the way NC State was able to do that. W- you know, We're more of a multiple front defense with undersized guys who can really move and have lateral quickness and strength and, and can create issues by penetration through two different gaps or, or moving from a four to a four-eye uh, to a five technique. And so – that's kind of how we do it. It's being multiple at the line of scrimmage on the defensive side of the ball. On the offensive side of the ball, we, we value athleticism and length. It may not be height. We, we actually value length of the wingspan. Mm-hmm. You may not be able to get that six-five guy. Because if we're finding a 6'5", young man that's 280 pounds, we've probably not found a very good football player. We might have found a <laughs> 6'5", young man. So we find that really good football player who might be in the 6'3", 6'3 but he's got the wingspan of a 6'5", 6'7", kid who now can survive at that tackle position. And for us, again, in in this conference, we see so many multiple front defenses that athleticism is, is more important than mass. And so we want to make sure that our guys can handle movement and play in space
3: you know coach it's it's interesting that you bring up um, multiplicity athleticism and speed in today's game when you when when you're having a building a program how much is the developmental part of that you talked about finding guys in south carolina whatever how important is the coaching teaching and player development piece to building a championship program
5: i don't think you can undersell player development especially at our level i mean Again, we're a great institution. We're a great school. We're recruiting some really high-level players, but they always need to be developed. Um, these are guys that maybe they didn't junior year, didn't play a lot of football or are coming off an injury, and so we have to do a great job of getting them to the nutrition they need but also the athletic performance that they need through you know, um, explosion training, speed training, uh, making sure we're smart with how we uh, train in the weight room. Um, but for us, it, we are a developmental program. I mean, we're not going to get the, the blue chippers. I mean, I think we've only had one. I think Daniel Jeremiah was the highest-rated player we've ever recruited. <laughs> that's right, but, that's uh, right.
0: He was a transfer, though, with some character issues, yeah, Coach. Yeah, yeah. There's no doubt about
5: that. We took. He was a flyer. Um, but, no, I, I think you have to, you have to uh, bank on the fact that you're going to develop these guys. And I think – one thing we really prided ourselves on, and I think it's going to show up throughout the, su- the season, is this summer we spent a lot of time working development. On Sunday nights, we do developmental practices, which means our freshmen, our redshirt freshmen, our sophomores are getting the bulk of the practice reps, whether it's in pads or whatever, to try to make sure we're getting those guys ready for the future.
0: Coach, who are, who are your coaching influences? Like, Who would you say if it, two, three, four guys have had the biggest uh, uh, impact on you as a coach? Well, obviously,
5: go, Gus Malzon got me into college football, gave me an opportunity to be a QC uh, GA at Auburn, and gave me my first job. And so, a lot of my uh, offensive philosophy or how I go about putting stuff together from my mindset comes from him. Uh, Brian Harson was, was a guy who really helped me structure my organizational and how I put. Um, the organization of recruiting, the game plan, overall structure, and, and that's really based out of the Chris Peterson model from what they did at Boise State and what they currently do at U- University of Washington. Uh, and so those are three guys that, you know, and I haven't spent a ton of time with Coach Peterson, but that's really the kind of thing that I look into. And then obviously you take stuff from people you've been around, Coach Chizik and his um, value on family and making sure that everybody was incorporated into our program. And I think I, I try to do a really good job of that. And then Dave, you know, obviously he was very good with, with establishing uh, a family environment and allowing us to bring our families on trips and, and uh, gave me a lot of freedom. So there's some things that I take from there, too.
3: Coach, when you look at uh, the players that you bring into the program, we've been asking guys, like, what are those core values and players that you look at? Not just athletically, but any intangible qualities. What is a Mountaineer when you look at him when you're recruiting a guy to bring back to Appalachian State?
5: That's easy. We we talk about FIT. For us, it's an acronym. Focused, intangibles, talented, and tough. We're looking for a young man who's focused, who Mm -hmm. has uh, a focused uh, life to him. You know, he's focused in the classroom. You know He knows what he wants to be. I'm not saying he's got everything figured out at 18 years old, but he's not a flyer. He, he comes into your office, looks you in the eye. He's about his business. Uh, we talk about intangibles. Is, is this a young man you want in your room? Uh, if you can't stand him in the first 10 minutes of meeting him, there's a good chance you don't <laughs> want him in your room for 60 minutes when you're trying to coach him. So <clears throat> We want to make sure he has the intangibles and loves the game. He, he's got to love football I, I, I don't always say that the, the young man's got to be the smartest but if you love football you find a way to make sure you're at class you're at study hall you're doing the things that you're supposed to do you stay out of trouble talented i mean it doesn't matter if you're focused and, and have the intangible if you're not talented enough to play you you can't play we got to yeah. recruit people who can win championships and then the last thing is toughness I value toughness just about as much as any uh, um, trait that anybody can have, whether it's mental toughness or physical toughness. This game is about toughness. You're gonna, you're not gonna feel 100% once fall camp starts. Who's gonna show up every day to practice? The only way you get better is to practice. You can't just show up on Saturdays. And so we got to have those guys who have that physical and mental toughness. In the mental toughness aspect of, hey, maybe it didn't go my way. Maybe I didn't make the play. The, on play 32 of the game, but play 33 is just important. You know, I saw something the other day, this just goes back to mental toughness was uh, Cam was Newton released something on YouTube and he talked about the older he gets, the more he understands that there's only three or four plays in a game that are going to really affect the game. But the trick is you don't know what they are. It, when you go back and watch it, it may be the mm-hmm. first play of the game. It may be the 65th play of the game. And mental toughness means you bring your A game every single play. And I value that just about as much as anything. So just to rehit it, focused, intangibles, talented, and tough. And that's the right fit for Boone, North Carolina, and for Appalachian State. <laughs>
0: Coach, I love that. We've had a chance to talk to a bunch of different coaches, um, and we've hit Mm -hmm. them with this question, and we've been fascinated by the answers we've got because uh, your time in college football, going to high school campuses and watching high school tape, uh, we've just asked the question, who is the best high school football player that you've ever seen? Didn't necessarily have to play for your program, but just the best high school football talent you've ever laid your eyes on.
5: Oh, wow. Best high school football talent I've ever laid my eyes on. You know, that's that's so interesting because – uh, you know, I've been in a lot of different places and I've seen different tape from whether it's at, at Boise State or not um, I know I was immediately repressed with Justin Fields when I watched his junior tape and saw him live mm-hmm. uh, I think Duke was the only school previously to offer him besides me um, and these are guys that have been mm-hmm. recent I, I loved Keaton Slovis uh, Keaton Slovis had, had uh, us as his offer before USC offered him when I was at NC State and his high school tape just the toughness he showed but, man, when you think about just an all-out freak, I, I do think uh, – I remember Sammy, when I was at Auburn, Sammy Watkins was coming out, and I remember watching that tape and going, holy cow, this dude. If you could get this dude, you're going to win a lot of football games. <laughs> now, I will say this. The best quote I've ever heard, though, was uh, when Nick Marshall was at um, uh, the junior college. Coach Malzahn, we were at mm-hmm. Arkansas State, we watched it, and he said, if we get this dude, we're all going to get raises and uh it turned out he went to Auburn and they all got raises because they went and played the national championship so I'm not saying he was prophetic but it was pretty funny but, yeah.
0: that's awesome oh, I, lo- I yeah. love it I love it coach I got I got to get into this game now this week here we've got North Carolina Bucky school um it's it's uh Look, I'll be honest with you. That I hope, you know, I hope that we go undefeated and and uh, we're playing in yeah. a New Year Six. That'd be great. But more than anything else, just this week, Coach. I'm just, I'm telling you, <laughs> please. It would be yeah. so nice of you if you could go to Chapel Hill and get this done for They're the now. favorites. Really they should get it you. done. You don't get me anything the for no, We're not the
5: favorites. They're the favorites. favorites. We're a four and a half point underdog. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to that yeah,
3: <laughs> see, he's lying. Favorites. they win winning. They're winning his team in the state. Like. I mean, we we should be underdogs in this one, if you ask me. Yeah,
5: I mean, look, here's the deal: there is nobody that wants to win this game more than the 116 players in my in my locker room. There's nobody, um, and I, and I appreciate I, all I, the. I argue with
0: that. I think I want it uh, more, no, Coach.
5: I think no, I there's I might no way. This now, because here's the, de- no, here's the deal, man. Those guys put in the work. They put in the effort, and and they're doing every single thing thing that we can. To win this football game. And the thing that I've encouraged them is they can't listen to the noise. They can't listen to the excitement. They can't listen to the fans. They got to focus on doing their job. And they don't have to play uh, out of their minds. They don't have to play out of their heads. All they got to do is be better th- this week than they were last week. And what we need to do in order to win Saturday is have the best Wednesday practice that we've had so far this season. And we're not trying to make this into David and Goliath. It ain't David and Goliath. No, this is one and O mentality. We're trying to be the very best version of Appalachian State that we can be Saturday. And if that's good enough to win, great. And if it's not, then we're going to come back to work on Sunday because we got another game the following Saturday. So, you know, I've seen, oh, it's Super Bowl season. No, this ain't Super Bowl season. This is week three of the season, and we're trying to be better this week than we were week two. And if I watch week two film again, there's a lot of things we got to be better at.
3: Hey, Coach, just, now this doesn't necessarily pertain to the North Carolina game, but I, I kind of want to ask you this because I'm curious. How do you get your players to handle a big game like that? Like you can say the outside it's a big game, but how do you get them to approach a game that may have maybe significant consequences on the outside, but get them to play the way that you talked about playing? Hey, let's have a one and no mentality this week.
5: That's how we approach everything. Um, it's to always compete to be better today, than you were yesterday and everything is a one-and-oh mentality the process always starts over every play has a life of its own and once that plays over you got to go to the next play and if you don't if this play is more important than that play or this is more important than that day or this game is more important than that game then you're going to be on an emotional roller coaster and there's a bunch of ups and downs and we're trying to be even kill. Uh, The key to to long-term staggering success is small daily improvements. And so the only way to make small daily improvements is to approach every single day with, how can I be better today? And we've preached it. You know, People have been talking about this game since the summer. And I think our team has done an outstanding job of focusing on just the task at hand. I don't think we looked past East, East Tennessee State. I know we didn't look past UNC Charlotte. We didn't look past the bye week. You know, we're just focused on what we're supposed to do for this game. And that's, to me, the only way to approach That's That's the only way to approach life. Um, You you know, if you get caught up saying, well, in six months down the road, that's going to be so exciting. And this is going to be exciting. Then all of a sudden you've wished your life away and you've never stayed focused on the present. You've never been in the moment. And uh, that's what I'm encouraging our guys to do. Just be in the moment.
0: Well, Coach, we had a chance earlier to talk with, with Coach Mac Brown. And uh, Coach mm-hmm. is, as Bucky knows full well, just first class. And he's spent time at Appalachian. So uh, we hope after this week that, uh, that they have a, a wonderful season there in <laughs> Chapel Hill. The last thing I'll leave you with, and I'll let yeah. you go. You've been very generous with your time. Uh, but Bucky's an extra large uh, he's an extra dog, <laughs> like, so after this one's over, we'll get him we'll get him all the app gear that he wants.
4: Good.
5: I don't know, man. Nike stuff fits a little bit small.
0: It might be a double A. <laughs> no, no. X,
5: X, X, XL X, XL of work. XLO work. Exhale work. Well man, That's so funny. this has been awesome. I appreciate y'all's time. Um, what I should have said about how do we win big games is we gotta practice the quarterback sneak because one of the biggest wins in Appalachian <laughs> State history is when Daniel Jeremiah, on yeah. fourth, I think it was fourth down, right? wasn't it, Daniel? Uh, quarterback I sneak think so, versus yeah. Wake Forest to, to win the game. And, you know, we've got Sean Clark, who was one of his teammates on our staff, and what we focused on, and we've had Corey Lynch talk to our team this summer again, is it's not about trying to get hyped up and pumped up and all that. It's about doing your job and believing in yourself, and believing that you're good enough to be on that field. If it's David and Goliath, man, you're already starting to think like, golly, Goliath's got all the advantages. We ain't thinking that Bucky's got all the advantages. We're thinking about what size shirt he's wearing. I appreciate it. I love it. I
0: like it. I like Uh, it. Hey, Coach, tell Sean Sean I said hello, and uh, and tell the team that uh, there's a bunch of us that are going to be watching, and uh, we're proud of them, and, and go get them this week.
5: We appreciate y'all. Thanks for all your support, Daniel. Thank you, Bucky, for your time. uh, Hey, best of luck, Coach, this season for sure. Hey, what about Saturday? See, Coach, thank you.
3: Hey, I mean, Coach, you know,
0: come on now.
5: (laughs)
3: All
5: right, man, be good. Good luck. All right. See you, boys.
0: Oh, Buck, I am so fired up for this. And uh, I love the energy Coach Drake was bringing to the conversation there. And put, Hey, by the way, it called you out for you saying that Apple is are favorites. <laughs> that, just says, they That's are the favorite. They're not the true. favorite to win- this the, one. Win- no, the no, no, no. in
3: the state. The winningest team in the state, like, everyone wants to be the underdog and that stuff. Like, it's not a Rocky story. Uh, it, it's not. You're not Rocky Boy. App State has been established. They've been <laughs> dominating in the Sun Belt for a while. Uh, they've had more success in recent years than North Carolina. I mean, arguably, you could say that maybe App State has been a, a better program than North Carolina over the last two decades. So. I don't understand why Carolina is coming in as a favorite. Maybe it's just people just looking at the names as opposed to really paying attention to the games and the legacy that is really taking place.
0: Well, oh, man, I, gosh, I'm i starting to get nervous, Buck. I really am. I'm getting nervous for this one. Uh, I know you guys have you guys got a big team. That's what you heard. Coach Drinkwitz mentioned that just there's a little size big. there. Uh, well, uh, so I'm it'll be big. I don't it'll be quickness. It'll be our quickness versus your size. I think we're going to score points, though. I do think we are going to score some points. All right, let's, let's get a prediction here. Give me a score. Give me a score. I'll give you a score. We'll see what happens. What you got?
3: Oh, I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I mean, I'm, I know I'm going to pick the Tar Heels. I don't know what the score will be. I, I will say, like, uh, if we can keep the game maybe in the 20s, that kind of plays in our favor. So I'm going to say Carolina 27, App State 20. How about that?
0: 27-20. That's, that's cute. I'm going to go App State 38-21. That's 21. Cute. There's, That's a difference that's cute. in our confidence level. 38-21. <laughs> right. And yet you want to be the underdog. Like, Come that's on, man. Come no, on, you're man. Holding us to, you guys holding us to 38 points is a big deal for your program. That's a nice <laughs> stepping stone for you guys to try and get back on your feet a little bit. I mean, it hasn't been good for yeah, us. Yeah, I mean, a, we lost to
3: the likes of East Carolina of late. I mean, I mean, everyone's kind of had our at our way. I mean, like we'd be lucky if we can just show up and get to the stadium and and figure out where to go in the locker rooms and all that other stuff, you know?
0: All right. Well, I'm coming on the show. I'm definitely going to come on uh, Fox Sports Radio, so we can talk about this game on Saturday. That that is definitely happening. Uh, I, I do want to get to some uh, some questions that were lobbed our way on Apple Podcasts. We told folks, look, if you leave us a, a rating or review uh, on Apple, if you just want to throw some questions out there, we'll be happy to answer them every Thursday on the pod. So we're going to get to those questions in just one second. But I do want to remind everybody, football is back. Uh, watch live local and primetime NFL games for free all season long with the Yahoo Sports app or the official app of the NFL on your phone or tablet. Plus get all your latest breaking news, highlights and more, download the NFL app or the Yahoo Sports app in your app store or at NFL.com slash mobile today. Certain restrictions and data rates may apply. So I think Nabil, are you, you got these uh, questions for us? You can lob our way?
1: Uh yeah, there's some really good questions right now.
0: Go for it. What we got?
1: All right, so the first one with more slash like players making an instant impact in the NFL like Taysom Hill, do you see more NFL teams drafting these types of do-it-all offensive weapons. And if so, what next generation college players can you see being drafted in the next couple of years that can fit this type of role?
0: Well, I definitely think you're going to see more of it. I mean, versatility has become a huge part of the NFL, and, and you're trying and scouting to find guys uh, that can do multiple things. Um, it, it, to me, I think you, you talk about versatility in a lot of different ways. I, You know, I, I was uh, previewing the little UAB game uh, this weekend, Buck, looking at it's going to be on mm-hmm. NFL Network, and they have a running back who you could see – and transitioning into being a fullback um it, it, there's lots of things like that as well as uh, you're talking about some of these athletic quarterbacks i'll be anxious to see what happens with perkins the quarterback at virginia you know what kind of role oh, could he man, serve good in an NFL player. player at the next like level good
3: yeah good really player, player perkins he, he's a really good player the other guy that i'm really intrigued about in terms of quarterback athletic quarterback who may come play another position how about khalil tate at arizona now um Oh, yeah. He's a That's little a smaller. One. Like, what is he? Is he a scat back and a quarterback? Can he move out to wide receiver? Um, he's a very young quarterback for, to be a senior, but he certainly has some athleticism that you're intrigued by. I think he, is certainly, he, he definitely will get an opportunity.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Um, all right, give us another question here, Nabil. What do we, we got?
3: All right, next one. Since you all were talking
1: about how much more analytics has grown, do you think someone like Randy Moss would have been drafted higher if there had been that type of info available at that time? And then he went in the first round of the 1998 draft, 21st overall for Marshall.
3: Um, th- go I ahead, think, Buck. I, th- I think we're going to have the th- same th- answer th- on this one. Yeah, <laughs> I, th- I think with Randy Moss, it had little to do with his game and analytics. Yes. It had more to do yeah. with the, the character issues. <laughs> you would have been a top five pick, slam dunk. Yeah, yeah were, were, were you comfortable with the character concerns that surrounded him coming out because he had a few different issues Um, one where he got kicked out of Florida State then the incident that he had in high school that prevented him from going to Notre Dame so there was a lot of stuff where you just didn't know but in terms of the talent the talent was undeniable you saw him dominate at Marshall and the way that he dominated at Marshall is the way that you have to when you play at the time Marshall was playing at a smaller level he dominated he was the best guy on the field whenever you watched him so It had little to do with analytics and more to do with the background and the character. But yeah, analytics will certainly be a bigger part of the evaluation as more evaluators get comfortable trying to figure out what the numbers can tell them down the road.
0: Yeah, you're going to see analytics continue to grow and, and have an impact, but it wasn't necessarily in the, uh, in the Randy Moss discussion. I think Buck hit that perfectly. That was just you know some off-the-field stuff the teams weren't comfortable with, or else he'd have been a top-five pick um, in that draft. Uh, keep the questions coming, though. We'll be happy to, uh, to answer those each and every Thursday on the show. Uh, Buck, anything else you want to add before we, uh, we roll out of here? Uh, and I'm uh, i i got to stop drinking coffee. I think that's only making me more nervous for this game
3: oh man come on man it's thursday you got you got two days you go you go you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna peak too soon you can be on That's your head but it's it, not good i know but it was, it was cute that you and your coach had your app state shirts on and all that you guys were game day ready <laughs> um, i have to figure out a way no, to, I, I was surprised
0: to i was surprised you and coach brown weren't wearing uh north carolina basketball gear i figured that was uh, about time that you guys yeah, talking about they, basketball season yeah
3: so we, we'll see i'll see if i can find my way to, to have some carolina gear on by saturday so uh when you call in, I, I can be really excited, and maybe I even send you or test you the fight song to have you uh to have you kind of sing it on air.
0: That'd be fun. Oh for gosh, me. <laughs> I'm anxious to see what the crowd looks like because I, I, I guarantee you that the that the app folks are gonna travel. It's gonna be a good app contingency there, I bet for this one.
3: Oh yeah, I, I expect to be there, and I don't think it'll be a late arriving crowd. I think the Tar Heels will be ready, primed and ready. I think Coach Brown'll get them going.
0: Yeah. Well, the last time I got this excited for a game was when I we were talking with our buddy Reggie Wayne. Ahead of the uh, App State Miami game, and App State had taken Tennessee to overtime. I was feeling real good about it, similar to the way I am right now. And uh, Miami came in there and just beat the living dog out of us. So hopefully, there's not a repeat of that. I don't want to see that.
3: Uh, I would be okay with that.
0: (laughs) 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 I would be. be All right, man. man. Looking forward to it. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I hope you guys have enjoyed this episode again. It's great hearing from our coaches. I'm uh, looking forward to a very fun game on Saturday and a great slate of NFL games on Sunday. So, we don't get these opportunities many very often where we have our teams play against each other. So, uh, thanks for allowing us to indulge ourselves a little bit on this matchup. Uh, you can check out all of our videos, nfl.com MTS video. Uh, we've got uh, the podcasts wherever you find podcasts, you can find the Move the Sticks podcast. We do appreciate you guys listening, and we'll see you next week right here on Move the Sticks.